I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by Dante Labs, the global leader in genomics solutions for rare diseases. With their Rare Disease Health Package, they offer comprehensive whole genome sequencing for rare disease patients. To learn more about Dante Labs and how they're revolutionizing healthcare, visit us.dantelabs.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to another episode of Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. And I have such a special guest for you today. And trust me, when I say that I'm absolutely obsessed with her and her work, she is the founder of Child Life on Call, and she's not just a child life specialist. She's the child life specialist. She's working across the nation, teaming up with hospitals to weave these critical services into their systems. And her mission is to educate, to empower, and to bring families like ours the support they never knew that they needed. So today we're diving deep into the understanding of how you can actually harness the magic from your child life specialists and their expertise and the immense value that they bring to your entire family's journey. So without further ado, my little Polly Pocket, the child life specialist on call, Katie Taylor. Oh my gosh, Katie Taylor, the child life specialist. Welcome to the podcast. Get out of town, Effie Parks. I love you so much. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> I was so incredibly blessed to not only be your friend in real life sees, but you came from Texas to Seattle to come to our rare disease soiree. You were also an amazing donor and you showed up in this gorgeous silky dress with your beautiful makeup and I had no idea you were like a little Polly Pocket. Okay, here's the thing is it was kind of ballsy to like come from Texas and not really like I knew we were going to be friends. I, we were friends, but sorry, can I not say ballsy? You can say whatever you want. It was kind of ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, okay, like you invited me to this thing. It was probably like a mass merge, mail merge thing. And I responded like, of course, because I don't know, there's something about when you were first on my podcast and you said that your way <laughs> before self-care was self-care, we were talking about self-care and you were talking about going by yourself to Target and then eating chips and salsa by yourself. And I was like, this is this is my person. And so when I got the mail merge, I thought I'm going to bite. I'm going to see if she's open to me actually coming to this thing. And we came and it was so much fun. And I loved you, but I also really loved Casey. Oh, my gosh. I, actually, you loved Casey so much that when you were finished recording with him, you accidentally told him that you loved him. <laughs> Yeah. So go check Katie's podcast out because she interviewed my husband, Casey Parks, a while ago. And when they were done recording, because he's so beautiful and handsome and wonderful, she accidentally Freudian slipped and told him that she loved him. 
<laughs> Not surprised. I say it to a lot of people though, like the guy at the Starbucks when he hands me my drink, I'm like, love you, you know, so it's special, <laughs> but also not. Oh, uh, well, he felt really special. Okay, good. Don't let him listen to this first part. <laughs> and also, I am not an organized enough person to send mass merger emails or whatever you called that. Um, it was a personalized email because XOXO. Oh, same. Okay. Well, Katie, can you please just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a child life specialist? And if you don't know what that is, you will find out. Yes. So I am a child life specialist. I am also Katie Taylor. I live here in Austin. Austin, Texas, as Effie said, and I'm a mom of two. I got a cool hubby. I met him at work in the hospital. He was a nurse anesthetist. He was putting kids to sleep for surgery and I was helping them go to sleep. And it was like a little love match. And to become a child life specialist, which if you have never heard about it before, that's totally fine. Unfortunately, part of the reason I'm here on podcasts is to share what we do because not a lot of people know, but we are psychosocial care and child development experts who work in healthcare historically and are now branching out to other avenues within challenging life events. But our goal is to really look at the whole family system with a child development lens and see how we can best support families and equip them with tools and coping skills and help them feel like confident advocates in challenging situations. So that's what I'm doing now. I've been a child life specialist for almost 14 years now, working clinically at Anova Children's Hospital, doing training at Children's National, worked here at Dell Children's, and then at a small children's hospital here in Austin. I've worked in anywhere from acute to ER to NICU and kind of all over the place. And my latest venture, Child Life on Call, I'm working from home completely, just really looking about, about how child life specialists can support families outside of the hospital setting using technology. Mm. What inspired you to create Child Life on Call, aside from being a child life specialist, like in the setting? Could you share a little story behind maybe the inception of that? Yeah. So I was a child life specialist working at a small children's hospital. And what that means is when compared to working to a large children's hospital where you have a bunch of resources, I didn't have a way to connect parents to one another. There wasn't bingo in the playroom or like come here for pizza night or coffees and bagels in the break room. And I had a mom and she had a infant with bacterial meningitis right at birth. And that gets you about a 21-day hospital stay right at the beginning of your child's life. And she looked at me and she said, can you please tell me some another parent has gone through this before? Like, tell me someone else has gone through this before. I, I, I don't, I need to talk to somebody. And at that time I could say like, yes, I have supported other families, but I couldn't connect her to anyone. And I thought, well, what if I could just put this podcast in her ear and immediately she could hear some other parent who has gone through this scenario before and feel less isolated and more connected. So that was in 2017, we started the Child Life On Call podcast, where it's a resource library of parents sharing their own experiences about being a parent in the healthcare world. And that's really where that was born from. And then I just got really obsessed with these gaps these gaps that parent did have another parent to talk to, this gap that child life specialists only see 30 to 50% of families who come into the hospital that are non-existent in non-children's hospitals and after discharge. And 
you know, once I get kind of like you, like once you see that gap, you can't not look at it and you got to try to fill it. Mm, Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think everyone here knows the power of connecting right with other people who know what you're going through. And what I love so much about you is that you're on this not necessarily on this outer ring, but you're not a parent of a developmentally disabled child in any way. But you do work with all of us as families. And you say that how can you see it and not do something about it? A lot of people can't or a lot of people don't. So when you do like choose to be a part of that fold and be a part of this support circle and widen our community and have people as allies who aren't just the parents. It's so impactful. And I'm so grateful for you. And thank you so much for creating that podcast and, you know, being a lighthouse for people to be able to go to when they're searching for that connection. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. It's a complete honor on my side and honestly, really selfish because I get to meet people like you and I get to meet people like Jessica Pate and Kara Riska and Madeline Cheney and all these amazing parents who I feel very inequipped sometimes to even be in the same circle or arena with. But if I can all be a voice of what the healthcare nuances are and help bridge some of these, you know, barriers and challenges that come with being in that. And if I can at all give any insight, like that's that's where I want to be. Hey listeners, I want to take a moment to talk about Dante Labs and their groundbreaking rare disease health package. If you or someone you know is facing the challenges of a rare disease, this is a game changer. With their advanced whole genome sequencing, Dante Labs provides a comprehensive view of your genetic makeup, helping to pinpoint the cause of a rare disease and offering potential treatment options. Dante Labs understands the time is of the essence for rare disease patients. That's why their results are available within weeks, not months. Plus, their pre- and post-specialist consultations offer invaluable support throughout your diagnostic journey. So, if you're seeking answers and support for rare disease, turn to the experts at Dante Labs. Visit us.dantelabs.com to explore the rare disease health package and take charge of your health today. So what was or is happening now in a traditional setting at the hospital with child life specialists and what gaps are you seeing and how are you improving the training for the staff and supporting families in hospitals beyond what you were doing day to day in the clinic? Yeah. So the traditional sense of a child life specialist working in a hospital, you will typically see us being procedure or diagnosis based. And what that looks like is we can be there to help prepare, support your family and your child during a diagnosis, doing education or preparation, and then trying to equip you with the education and tools necessary to get through that. Unfortunately, there are just not enough child life specialists and there are way more families to support. And so that becomes one of the challenges and the barriers. And in addition to really supporting families, and that can look like a lot of things, like I said, procedures or education, we look at integrating siblings into the hospitalization as much as possible, giving parents tips to have a voice during rounds, whatever that can look like, uh, families at end of life and supporting them through that transition. But we also have non-clinical responsibilities. So that comes with training other staff, like you mentioned. So going to other parts of the hospital and teaching them about child development and how we want them to be serving families. It goes with, you know, sitting on pain management or bereavement committees and putting in that family-centered lens to those. It comes with sorting donations, doing bingo in the playroom, like I mentioned. So because of that, we, you know, honestly live these two different parts. One is clinical, one is non-clinical. And 
what I'm trying to do right now and we're trying to do with Child Life on Call is make sure that families, when they come into the hospital, they have access to Child Life through our app and through these, these resources. So automatically they have a lifeline to Child Life, even if they're not able to meet one, but they at least know some of the tools and resources that we use and would work with families on. I mean, I know from my experience with Child Life specialists here at our local Seattle Children's Hospital, sometimes they're there in the room already and sometimes they're not there. And sometimes, you know, after after being around the block a couple times, depending on what appointment I'm going to, when I book it, I request one. Mm. So do you have any insight on why there are sometimes child life specialists there and why there wouldn't be? Should you always request one? And I also don't think that families know what it is that they can ask for and how to advocate for their children's needs in the hospital environment. Do you have any tips on sort of navigating that system? Yeah, absolutely. I love what you do. And ahead of time, just ask for child life. And that gets you a better chance at actually getting access to a child life specialist. I would say if you can't remember the term child life specialist when you're in the hospital, just say, is there someone here that can support me and my family? And, you know, you'll at least get a social worker, maybe a chaplain or a child life specialist. And then from there, one of those support people can help you formulate what you need because you always sometimes you just don't even know what to ask for or what you need or what you can have. But if you get a support person with you, they can help you kind of problem solve and navigate what resources are available. Reasons that child life would not be there is we really do what's called a, a psychosocial risk assessment before we go to see a family. We look at, you know, what's the age and development of the child, what their previous experiences, their diagnosis, what does their family support look like? And then often we have to weigh, like, where do our priorities stand? And sometimes our priorities are with a patient who maybe needs more support, or sometimes our priority is like we literally have a hundred people <laughs> in the in the foyer and we have to go accept the donation and smile for a check. And so we can really just be pulled in so many different directions. But walking into the hospital when you make an appointment for a surgery, for a clinic visit, for whatever it may be, you can say, is a support person or a child life specialist available? And that'll be your best way to get access to child life. Mm. Yeah, super important. I learned I could do that. And I'm so grateful I can now because especially for harder procedures, you know, like those Botox ones, like I can't do that alone. I need someone there. To, I mean, usually we need more than one person, quite frankly. But yeah, yeah. Just knowing that it's there now and that if I if I plan it ahead, someone's there and I can take a lot of stress off of my shoulders on the drive to that appointment. Totally. And, you know, Effie, I sometimes look at a parent like you and I'm like, wow, she is so well equipped. She knows the system and maybe I would prioritize another family over yours. So I need you to be vulnerable and say, like, I still need you. <laughs> like, I'm still here doing this and I can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. Can you help? And so just really being vocal. I think Child Life is one of the best clinicians in the hospital to start advocating with because then you just get more comfortable talking with clinical staff. You know, like if I can talk to Child Life this way, maybe I can talk to the EEG tech this way and then maybe the provider and just, you know, we we want to be there to help make this a really collaborative space between you and the healthcare team. So start with us and and we want to support you the best we can. Ooh, I really love that idea of creating like your power couples throughout yeah. throughout the system at the hospital. That's a really good hot tip. This may surprise you. I love when a family's like, we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes yeah. you don't for a while. And then maybe something's going on. Maybe you're not sleeping enough. Maybe you're not moving your body enough. Maybe you're just burnt out. And then you do. 
but maybe that's not a situation that you would normally need it. So I think just really kind of taking uh, stock of where you're at. Totally. Is really important, but and not denying yourself that moment of support that you need, but also really patting yourself on the back when you have realized that perhaps maybe you don't need it this time because you are feeling stronger. Mm, Absolutely. And I think we feel like you just advocated for yourself. Like you just told us you didn't need us. And I love that. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe I didn't do the best job at explaining how we can best support you. And maybe I can reframe it for you. You've seen us, you know, support for a procedure, but now you have something totally different going on. And so It's just that conversation starter and it's us being like, yes, you advocated for yourself and I'm going to respect you. And I love that. You know, I think about my super rad, awesome buddy named Yash and he's a young adult and he has to travel from North Carolina to Boston every few weeks for checkups and treatments and tests and all the stuff. And as he gets older, it's so apparent how young adults have sparse to almost no support and they feel so much more isolated than the young kids and the adults. And if you had all the resources, how best can we start to provide support for those people who are in the middle area who seem to kind of be forgotten? That's such a good question. And I just want to make make sure I understand it. So that kind of transition into adult care where there's less resources like child life. Yeah, it's even almost just like that young teen, right? That maybe doesn't feel young enough to have the child life specialist who comes in with games and iPads, but they're not an adult. So they also don't have those services and supports in place and just that independence. But they're kind of in that teenage land where it's awkward. Totally. Okay. So let's let's look at both lenses. And one is whenever I go to introduce myself to a teen or a young adult, I say, you know, I'm called a child life specialist, but I work with more than just kids. I actually work with adults and I work with teens and I work with all over. That's just kind of what they call me. So I immediately try to bring that guard down. And what I think is the best way to relate to teens is to ask them what they're already interested and involved in. And if it's video games, if it's art, if it's like this specific specific type of therapy or a specific video that they like to watch over and over again. Ask like, who is the person who can come support me and bring this? And oftentimes it will be the child life specialist who's then consulted in. I think another great way is to start documenting the preferences of your friend like Yash or this teenager, whoever they may be, and writing them down so that every time you come in, you have your list of preferences. I I call it a coping plan. Other child life specialists call it that too. But it's basically just this list of like, this is what I need when I get here so that you don't have to ask for it every time. It can kind of just be already out in the open. Like I'm admitted, here's my list, you know, and child life is on that list and you don't have to think about it when you get in. (laughs) Okay. Are you saying that a healthcare professional would take notes on our kids and have it ready and prepped before we got there and remember it and read it before our appointment? What universe would that be? (laughs) No, I'm saying I'm empowering you, Effie. Okay, funny. No, that'd be awesome. But you know what it made me think of is my friend Ryan Sheedy, who I'm sure you know, who created my Mijo. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, my Mijo and the Child Life on Call app. What if these notes sort of spoke to each other in your apps and you could like pull up these kids' profiles on there or read those notes or at least figure out some way to kind of share that with their Child Life specialist beforehand too? Because all of those things can be put in your Mijo app. 1000%. Ryan and I are desperate to do like a pilot test together with that. So whoever is listening, just let us know and um, 
you know, if you have a hospital or somebody you want us to reach out to, like we're more than game. We would love to do that together. Sorry, Ryan, I'm speaking for both of us, but I think you're yes. fine with it. <laughs> so I didn't invent this idea. Okay. But no, you you totally did. You're the you're you're the matriarch of it. I think you should definitely uh, work with our Seattle Children's Hospital and Boston Children's Hospital. And you and Ryan need to get busy because having that comprehensive just like comfort plan for these kids and young adults would just be transformational. And also, again, it's one of those burden lifters, right? And it's one of those empowered families who go in because they know everyone has the information and it's at their fingertips, at least for the family side. And it's just less chores in the end. 1000%. Like whatever we work we can do now, like when things are not in crisis mode so that when we do get to crisis mode, we have it on hand. Mm, yes. Okay. So Let's talk about some of those challenges again and the gaps that hospital staff faces. We know they're overworked. We know they're understaffed. There's all of that real stuff, right? And you're a human being with a life. How do child life specialists kind of address the needs of families who have kids with rare diagnoses over different medical issues or procedures that kids are coming in for? Is it the same? Is it different? Yeah. Great question. It's it's all very different and all very the same. So is that a great answer? I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense that you would probably approach it that way. Yeah. So we we look at our child psychology, child development background and family systems. And every single child is unique and every single family is different. And we really try to stay on a specific unit or with a specific population. So someone in the emergency room will mostly stay to the emergency room versus someone on oncology, somebody in complex care. We typically stay in our buckets, right, in our different units so that we learn how to best support those specific families. We all have the same training, but we all have you know, different nuances and practices. So what I do with a family who is a family of a child with a rare disease or a rare diagnosis may look very different than what I do to prepare a kid who fell and needs stitches. But we really do try to come at it with the same lens of family systems, child development, family-centered care, and being trauma-informed in all cases. I love that you stick with a sort of demographic to really make sure that what you're doing is so detailed. A thousand percent. And I am scared as crap when I get called to another unit. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so... And then I ended up working with a family and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I am well equipped <laughs> to support you this are. family. <laughs> Nothing is better though for... I love working families of rare disabilities because they provide me with so much insight and I just get to be a sounding board of suggestions and support and like, have we tried this and you already know how to do this and there is no family like a rare family, you get shit done. And it is so rewarding on my end to just even be able to observe and, and play a tiny part in, in this healthcare experience. Yeah. I would imagine coming to a room with a rare family is almost more like talking shop and collaborating, whereas coming with a family whose kid broke their leg and you're more dealing with the psychology fact of them freaking out. Oh, yeah. Like if I can bring and also like bring mom a coffee or dad a coffee, say like, why don't you go hit the road for a minute and shower or go do what you need to do. And I can sit here and give you a little break because we have that relationship built. Like you feel safe enough to leave and take some time for yourself. Or we can sit there and just chat, like you said, and talk shop. But we can, you know, just maybe be there to to be a sounding board and, and validating and problem solve. 
I think that could also be a PS on the Mijo app thing is your coffee order as a parent. Just saying. Good idea. Just add it. <laughs> With a direct link to Starbucks that delivers it to you. Yeah. And maybe you could even upload your credit that you get from all of the beautiful friends and family and supporters that you have that always load up your card when you're impatient. Done. You got it, Ryan? Like, you better be listening to this. <laughs> Connect all that. <laughs> Katie, do you have a particular like story that really touched you or impacted you uh, from your experience in the clinic that sort of illustrates the difference that your work has made? you know, for the lives of kids like mine? Mm, let me think. That's a good question. I think one of my favorite parts of being a child life specialist is when I work with families like yours is I can, like you said, go in and talk shop, but I do a lot more background education. So before, let's say a patient goes down to get an x-ray, which may be a really routine thing for the x-ray tech, I can know the ins and outs of your family and be like, heads up, like, don't touch this kid's hair. They don't like it. Every time it happens, it's like something that is really traumatic for them. And maybe this kid has like an Afro, right? I've had that scenario before, like where I've had a child who has the best hair and everybody comments on it. And everybody touches it when they walk in the room. But before the x-ray tech goes in or before we go down to the x-ray, I can do the behind the scenes talk and the behind the scenes education. And for me, that's always really great to be able to facilitate that or anticipate what that family needs that they don't know how to advocate for or don't have the energy to. And like, that's my favorite part is kind of being on, not my favorite part, but I love being on the back behind the scenes. And then the x-ray tech goes, that went really well. Like, I'm glad you told me that thing. And I'm like, well, it was so simple. Or, you know, another background thing that I've done is there was a child with a diagnosis who needed a a blood test done and they were go about to go back to MRI. And the mom was really upset because she didn't have the orders for the test yet. And so they were going to have to do it after the child was done with the anesthesia. And so I literally went, found the office number, made a call, got them the fax machine number so that the mom could call the office, have the doctor forward it there. So before the child went back to sleep, we could draw labs while the child was asleep. And that just really does make a difference for these families who are in and out of the healthcare system all the time. If we can consolidate, minimize harm, and, you know, just take this pressure off. Like it's, it's so much more beautiful. So sometimes it's more of those background things with, with rare families. Does that make sense? You say background, I say celeb status. Okay. To uh, any pharma person listening, who's always trying to gain insight onto what really families need and care about. This is one of them, right? When a child life specialist goes in ahead of us and tells someone not to touch my kid's hair because it's going to make him nervous or freak out or he's uncomfortable. Also, it's personal space. We walk in as rare parent celebs, right? Like our stuff has been handled. The PR has been done. We have less decision fatigue. We have less chronic caregiving administrator fatigue and we just get to seamlessly go in and go out and keep as much of our bandwidth as possible a hundred percent like that's the dream is that you feel like a freaking celeb and all your needs are met before you get in and the transition is smooth and you know where to sit and you know where the waiting room is and you know you have like they say the procedure is an hour but you know it's actually going to be an hour and you know 20 minutes like that's the kind of insight that we like to give family so at an hour, 60 minutes, they're not freaking out being like, you told me it was an hour. Well, our child life specialist told us it's usually an hour and 20, so we don't need to freak out for another 20 minutes. Yes, yes. So basically, you're our PR reps. Love it. New name. We all have one. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, your transition and your new entrepreneurial sort of path that you've went on. And what is it exactly? How is it different? And what are your hopes and your aspirations for the future of your new baby, Child Life on Call? And what's your vision of the impact and the growth that you're that you're going to have? Thank you so much for asking. I think What's clear to me is your example that you just gave. Sometimes you come in and you get a child life specialist and sometimes you don't. And that is not health equity. That is not equitable resources or services to every single family that comes in. And like that's an injustice to me because I know the role that child life can play with families. So in my really smart decision making and building this company with my dad, he is my co-founder, my chief strategy officer. He has been in Medicaid and managed care plans for the past 40 years. And he always told me, like, my job is to make sure everybody has access to health care. And once we started dreaming about what would it look like if every family got access to child life without putting more work on the child life specialist, what does that look like? And that's where we came with with the Child Life On-Call app. So we have decided to sell to children's hospitals, which may be the most difficult thing in the entire world and the longest sales cycle. But, you know, we are doing our best to meet with the right decision makers, the right people at the top who sign the check and say, yes, every family deserves access to child life services. The app does not replace child life in any way. Like no, nothing can replace child life, but it does give you a more of a level playing field when it comes to saying like, how do I prepare my kid for this procedure? How do I advocate when my child needs a heel stick? I need a resource about this community organization. Like all of that can live on there. So we are currently in one hospital and are about to expand to three more this year. So if you are interested in, you know, sending us the name of your hospital that you work at, and if you know someone in upper level management, let us know, we'll reach out to them. But otherwise, if you go to childlifeoncall.com, we have so many free resources on there for parents. Um, we do provide virtual services. So we have a wonderful person named Annie and she will meet with you and help you prepare or just, you know, process what has happened in healthcare and how child life can best support your family. Mm. I love that your dad's your partner. I was sad I didn't get to meet him. Yeah. So everybody listening, let's leave this place better than we found it. Send Child Life on Call specialists information to your children's hospital and help advocate to get better help for our kids, but also not stretch them too thin and help them just work more seamlessly throughout their day for what they're doing. And let's let's like have better let's have better health care for the next kid, because this is a this is a marathon. It's never ending. And we can make this better. And Katie's helping. Thank you for having me. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> Do you have any words of encouragement for families like mine who are really in the trenches and are having the hardest time navigating it and are just so tired? Oh, you deserve to be tired. I really don't have any words other than listen to Effie's podcast and just continue to find strength in people like her who are making these conversations so digestible and like funny and heartfelt. And I, that's my best advice is to listen to Effie. But that's truly how I feel like you have changed how I come to support rare families. And I'm just my my ideas and suggestions are to keep listening and supporting programs like yours. Love you. You're the best. You're the best. Happy to be your teammate all the time. Thanks for all the work that you do for our kids and for making the system better and for just championing all of our families and all child life specialists everywhere. You are a daymaker and a changemaker and I appreciate you so much. 
Tell everyone where they can find you one more time. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Child Life on Call. My website's childlifeoncall.com. You and I dabble in TikTok, but it's such a different monster. So go there if you just want to laugh. But yeah, that's slide into my DMs, ask questions about language, advocating um, nuances in healthcare, and we would love to support you. All right. Thanks, Katie Taylor. I love you. I love you back. <laughs> a special thank you to Dante Labs for sponsoring this episode of Once Upon a Gene. To learn more about Dante Labs and how they're revolutionizing healthcare, please visit us.dantelabs.com. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. 